G'day folks, welcome back. It is Down Under Sigma. You are here with the coach and boy, oh boy, do we have a jam-packed episode today. We are going to be talking about CanCon. We've all just come back from Australia's, the world's largest Age of Sigma event. You've probably seen on this channel, there's been lots going on. We did a list review uh, a couple of weeks ago, lots of hobby content focused around CanCon. So we are going to do a deep dive. We're going to talk about the games, the, pl the games we played, the friends we made along the way. And Liam, not only do we have you, the amazing co-host of this show, but we have the winner, the man, uh, the man who slays everybody. Uh, it is Jimmy, the, Jimmy Page, Jane Page, uh, Jim Page. We can call him whatever he wants, but ultimately he wants to be known as winner. How are you, good sir? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. It looks like Liam's dropped off already. Great start to the show. Jimmy is the New Zealand master. He is the slayer of worlds, and he has won Australia's largest Age of Sigma event. It was 228 players, the world's largest event as well. How you feeling, mate? Yeah, I'm pretty chuffed, eh? That's, that's, that's really mild the way you put that. You're like, yeah, yeah, I just, I just won a big event. Who cares? No, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. It, um, a lot of prep obviously went into it for me so yeah really really happy yeah that's the mate and Liam's internet crashed so i'm sure he'll come back he's doing a pretty good statue picture right now uh, i'm going to drop him from the stream but uh it is awesome to have you here um we're going to talk about the the weekend we had uh, a huge weekend you know we had uh the intergalactic battle between australia and new zealand in the trans tasman cup we obviously had six fantastic games of warhammer that we played uh, we had all the shit talking that happened uh, in between rounds at the hotel stay where we all kind of crashed out. Um, man, how'd you pull up? Sorry, what was that? How did you pull up uh, after a, such a massive weekend? Not sure what you're asking. <laughs> like, did you did you pull up? Uh, like, was it was it a you know were you were you tired? Were you excited? Uh, you know, obviously you you. I'm sure you were probably lack of sleep. Like you, you feeling good after a big weekend? Yeah, um, nice uh, trip back on the Monday. So took it easy there. A few spent about five hours in the airport. Um, lots of sleep since then. But yeah, feeling good now. That's awesome. And shout out to everyone who's in the chat. We've got people from Spain, people from Canada. We've got people from Hello Heart. We've got. Friends of yours, like Fraser, in the chat uh, from New Zealand. We've got Cameron King, winner, winner, Australian trophy chicken dinner. We've got people from sunny Kent. Mate, everyone's rocked up for you. We've got, we've got another, uh, someone representing at the Tron shirt. Um, man, everyone loves you. <laughs> oh, it's uh, good to have supporters, I guess. So for anyone who doesn't know who Jimmy Page is, they have had their ass handed to them on the tabletop. Do you want to give us a quick introduction of who you are, how long you've been playing for, uh, you know, who, who, who are you? Um, yeah, I'm Jim Page. I've been playing AOS for four years now, uh, pretty much almost since the start. It took me a little bit to get into it after playing 8th edition, but, yeah, it was a... It was an interesting transition between those two formats, but really enjoying AOS. I love, I love the game. It's such a, a tactical game. Um, you just got to kind of make your way through the um, the ups and downs of the armies, and that. And, and at its core, it's just a, a really strategic game, and I love it. 
No, it was a fantastic, and you know, I was chatting to some of the lads um, leading into KenCon, and you know, this particular event felt like the biggest scissor paper rock battle where you know you could list build to kind of handle some armies, but then there was all these other armies where you know we felt a general balance across that. You know, there's a lot of faction that could possibly win it. Um, certainly, you took the winner winner chicken dinner. Uh, with a bin chicken, we'll talk about your list. We'll talk about how you went into that list building process with Zench. Um, but oh my gosh, um, what a weekend! And welcome back, Liam. Yeah, guys, sorry, my internet. Once we just clicked live, just went cool. Let's fry it, and I'm like, oh, sick one. Um, yeah, man, how are you going? Um, sweet. Yeah, what a weekend! And congrats again, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to turn off that red tube account. Uh, it's obviously <laughs> sucking up his internet. But um, all right, we're gonna. T I know Liam was really excited to talk about elves. Uh, I'm just gonna say they're hot garbage. No. Um, did you see the the new elf release at LVO? Yeah, I saw the pictures. I didn't get to read much of it yet, but yeah, I'm loving the aesthetic. Like they're keeping their kind of regimented high elf look, and I think that's really cool. By the way, Jimmy, everyone's asking in the chat, where is your trophy rack? I'm imagining that that big curtain behind there uh, is the is the massive trophy rack. Hey, hey, look at all those trophies. Obviously, the the calculus book book helps as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll just grab my trophy as well. I, I I won a massive trophy. Yeah, that's right. We'll talk about awards. We'll talk about what happened. But um, Liam has dropped, so I'll talk about elves. I was only joking. I was saying with their rubbish. Uh, I'm really excited about the new uh, techless elves. Uh, if you if you haven't caught the stream um, at LVO, they did uh, show off some of the new uh, elves that are coming. Uh, who knows when? Potentially anywhere from. I guess a release at uh, from from March at Adepticon all the way up to uh, to June, um, but new elves are looking good. We've seen new techless. We've seen that uh, suit of armor. I, I'm going to mispronounce its name, um, Atharian. I think it is. I can't remember exactly. Um, we saw some new some new cavalry. We see some new uh, foot troops, um, and the other week, or the other day, sorry. Um, they released a bit of lore around around Techless and these particular elves. So um, they look really exciting either way. Liam's rebooting. God love him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a really popular army. It's got shooting. It's got cavalry. It's got magic. It's got foot troop. You know, it's, it's, it's got everything. It's got the lore. It's, it's got everything that a, that a gamer could want. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really exciting army. Uh, elf players are going to be excited to get them. I know personally when I saw the, the leaks and the rumours um, around uh, the new Gargant army, which is the Sons of Behemoth. Uh, I know that's probably where I'll go for, for a bit of lols. Um, imagine five or ten Gargants running on the table for lols. I, I can't see them going six and out CanCon, but uh, by God, it'll be, I think it'll be a fun army. Yeah, if I think if they follow in the BCR tracks, I think they could be quite a competitive army. Imagining like some like almost like a squig army per se, where it's just a lot of fun, probably a lot of randomness. Um, and Seth Cook, uh, the goon boss himself, calling out the Sons of Behemoth new meta. Uh, maybe maybe you'll build some secret tech and, and, and start destroying our souls. No, he's not, he's not, Jimmy's not even commenting. He, he's already he's already got a, an amazing list. Um, so in the meantime, let's talk CanCon. Let's talk about uh, 
I, first off, maybe maybe what you brought. I'll I'll bring up. Um, I've got a picture here. Uh, I'll bring up your list. Uh, you are the winner of CanCon. Two hundred and twenty odd players um, who played. Uh, Jimmy, do you want to give us a quick rundown of your army? Um, why did you take it? And we'll talk a little bit about our path along the way. Okay, so um, I took the Zinch Eternal Conflagration Change Coven. Uh, that gives the extra ren to Horrors, Flamers, uh, and Exalted Flamers, along with uh, a couple of the horror heroes. Um, and in the Change Host, I, I, I had the Lord of Change plus the Blue Scribes, the Change Caster. That, that fake caster was a mistake on my part. It's, it's called the Change Caster, not the Fake Caster. Um, the Changeling, 10 Pink Horrors, 2 lots of 3 Flamers, and 2 lots of 10 Brimstones. And then outside the Battalion, I had the Gaunt Summer on Disc and the Fate Master. So this uh, was quite a magic-heavy and shooting-heavy list. You got the Fate Master to reroll all hit rolls for both shooting and... Uh, while in combat, and the Gaunt Summoner on disc had the Aura of Mutability, which was plus one to wound for both shooting and melee in a, a nine-inch bubble. And both of them had nine-inch bubbles, so you kind of get this little death bubble that, that goes around just shooting everything up. And if people get too close, then you've got stuff like the Darkfire Demon Rift, which just is really going to um, hit hard for anyone trying to alpha strike me. So what um was, was Zench always the army that you were going to take, or um, were you going to take we going to take something different, and then this battle term kind of swung you uh, a different way? Well, I purchased the Slaves to Darkness army for CanCon. Well, I, I was hoping to. Um, I had the models turn up pretty much on list day, so I was kind of umming and ahhing if I was going to get the models done. I actually had my last lot of it turn up today. So I would have been severely restricted on the slaves I would have been able to take. I had um, Zench already painted. I've, I've played Zench since the book first came out in Age of Sigma. Um, always played Change Host, so it was kind of a, a natural fit for me. Yeah. Yeah, um, so it wasn't something that you saw this battle time and you completely changed your plans. It sounds like you have played Zench previously, so it kind of in incentivized you to... Uh, pick up the book and, and run with this new list as opposed to maybe that Slaves to Darkness or something else. Yeah, it, it was definitely a matter of what I had painted and the level of painting I need to achieve. Um, I just wouldn't have had time to complete my Slaves to Darkness. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And it looks like Liam's back on board. Let's bring him in. Hey, Liam. Hey, oh. Oh, your sound, Sorry, your sound yeah, is my internet is fried. Yeah. No. Nah. No. Nah. If it's still guys are working, I'll probably have to give it a miss tonight. Sorry. Uh, all right. Well, if it works, we'll bring you back in. But uh, we'll 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 chat post review. It sounds like that it's not working very well. No. Nah. Sorry. I'm literally like looking at it now, trying to fix it. All good, Liam. Yeah. We love you. We'll we'll get you back soon. Okay. Love you guys. Bye. Yeah. As 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 Mr. Shorts is um pointing out there, I actually started. Uh, preparing war clans for for CanCon back in uh, September. Yeah, why why did you do that? Um, I 
recently purchased uh, a Warclans army off the player who had, who had won um, Best Painted at Notorious, New Zealand's largest Age of Sigma tournament. Uh, so I had this really nice looking army and I was I was, wanted to kind of play with a nice looking army. So uh, I ran it at Masters. I thought it was going to be something quite quite different. Um, I don't really like to play what everyone else is playing. Um, in the New Zealand meta, there was actually quite a very few Zench players. It was me, Maddie Watkinson, and uh, just a couple other, yeah. So I picked up Warclans, ran them at Masters, uh, did really well with them, taking it out. But there was like seven or eight other Warclans players there. And I was like, oh, I don't want to turn up to, to CanCon and, and just be another Warclans player. So when you were when you were list building, and we'll, we'll do a little bit of list building talk before we get into the weekend, what were you expecting from the armies that were going to be at the event? Did you... Um, did you anticipate certain particular armies that you would face? Were you particularly list building for a, a particular opponent or a or a, um you know how, how did the, how did the realms were you played in the realms of Guy Ryan for anyone who hasn't seen the players pack? Like how did how did all these list this list building come into play um, when you were preparing with something that was really fresh off the table as well? Yeah, so obviously you got the Emerald Life Swarm, which is just huge, especially in Zinch. It um combos so nicely with the the horrors and um, the magical elements of the army so i think that was kind of be hard not to take um, the light and then you've got the realm spells so you have to start thinking what will, what can combo with the mainly miracle right what's gonna what's gonna teleport 18 inches and really mess up your day because we because uh, we were using the spells from malign sorcery as well so not only do we have selected um, realm effects from the core book, but we also had access to all the different spells. So like mirror pool, uh, was it skin to stone or stone skin or something? Flesh to stone. That's flesh to stone. Something's getting hard in my flesh. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then you've got to think about what, well, what takes most advantage of those. And you're thinking, well, Nagash, Petrifix, you know, that's going to be really, really hard to face. Um, anyone who who doesn't have an answer to that, which I I didn't feel I did. I was going to hopefully try and play for maybe a double turn or just kind of shoot everything off the board and leave Nagash and just hope that he can't deal with the horrors. But yeah, that's he was one of the big nasties that I was I was quite thankful to to dodge over the weekend. Were um, you um, so cities of Sigma and Ogres, where the um, Joel Graham's pu pulled this up uh, quite interestingly. So in the stats show that we did two weeks ago, um, uh, cities, uh, Ogres, and OBR um, were the top three most represented factions. Did that surprise you at all? Were you building for those guys, or did you think you might see more of I don't know Stormcast or Corn or you know like you know because your your meta might be very different to the one that you were entering. Yeah, so obviously I had um, conversations with as many people as I could to try and uh, ascertain what the, the Aussie meta is. Um, and I knew you guys kind of like your your melee armies. Your, um, so I was expecting Ogre Kingdoms to be quite well represented. Uh, war Clans, I was expecting more War Clans players, but it was good to see um, at least one in the top 10 there with the Dalton with the Big Wire. Um, yeah, Cities is probably the army I did the least prep for, just because it's such a diverse book. 
uh, yeah, wasn't expecting so many cities. Yeah, and, and of, of the cities, I think there was 18 cities from memory, and of that, there was eight from Halo Hearts, so almost 50% Zench, which, sorry, Magic, well, that basically is our, our low-key Zench, which I'm sure um, if matched up, it would have just been absolutely in your favour and, you know, just giving you summoning points for day. I know as a Halo Heart player myself, uh, I was freaking out about the prospects of playing up against Zench because I'm like, do I cast spells? Do I um, do I just give up my spell casting and not feed feed the beast? Um, but I'm sure you would have loved that. Yeah, I mean, what do you do? You you're pretty much banking on your five up, uh, ignore spells, to get you through the game. Yeah, um, I'm more magic heavy, so it's a bit more favourable for you than the uh, more shooting focused essentialist, which um, a bit harder to prepare for. But yeah, um, I really enjoyed facing um, cities. It was my first game of against cities. So yeah, that was that was quite interesting. Uh, and for anyone who's asking uh, what the results were, um, here are the top ten. So the I think the event ended um, after dropouts. Um, it initially sold out at two hundred and forty players. Uh, I think with dropouts, we ended on about 223, 222 uh, players uh, who finished the game. So um, who who won CanCon? So as, as you've probably known for the last 20-odd minutes, uh, Jimmy Page won CanCon with the Disciples of Zench. Uh, coming in second was Josh Carroll with the Ossiarch Bone Reapers. Uh, from memory, that was a uh, Petrifix Elite um, with Nagash and a whole bunch of uh, the Death Riders, so uh, all the horsey boys. Um, coming in third was Charles Black with his Fire Slayers, uh, Dalton with his big wag, uh, Ash McEwen and Joel Graham also with uh, the Disciples of Zench in fifth and sixth, uh, Michael Clark running the Cities of Sigma. He was Hallowheart. Uh, then Tim Neal uh, was Cities of Sigma. I think he was Anvil Guard from memory. Um, Broad coming in ninth with uh, Iron Jaws, uh, and then finally Reese coming in with the Fire Slayers. So um, an interesting particular run. Um, it was obviously that 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 last round was so tense. It was a six round tournament, um, so something a little bit unusual for our particular scene. Most tournaments only run five games, but that extra game um, there was a lot of pressure on the line. And I know uh, the Honest War Gamer when he was doing his streaming, they were flicking between table one and table two. I think either of you guys could have uh, walked away with um, with the big prize. Yeah, it definitely came down to the wire. Um, I think there was four points between us and table two. Um, I think, yeah, four points, four, four points for me to drop or three points for Simon to drop. So, you know, I'm thinking, well, I can't drop everything if I drop both agendas plus maybe a kill points and they go 20 nil, then yeah, you, you definitely got to look at the leaderboard and, and see what you have to achieve in those final games. And, and for anyone who doesn't know the scoring, the way it worked is um, up for grabs was 20 tournament points for the round uh, for each player, uh, or sorry, each game. And uh, the way it worked was uh, a major win was 14 points. Um, each agenda was worth two points. So there was, a you know, every player picked an agenda. Um, if you scored your agenda, I think it was worth two points. Uh, if you denied your opponent, it was worth two points. Uh, and then uh, if you killed a 1,000 points, it was one point. 
And if you denied your opponent killing a thousand points, uh, it was worth one point as well. So uh, there was a lot on the line, even if you were losing, um, trying to stop your opponent. And I know when I was watching your game, actually only yesterday uh, from the Honest Wargamer stream, I remember Rob and uh, I think it was Nick Hohen from The Dwellers were talking about how, um, you know, potentially running away the Phoenix Guard that was in combat potentially could have denied you that, that 1,000 points being that, you know, 30 Phoenix Guard are worth like almost 500 points. So um, even when the game's on the line, it was always something to either try to deny your opponent or to deny you that 1,000 kill points to to reduce the the, the deficit or the, the points difference. Yeah, it is. It, I like how it split the field. You know, you look at the, the scoring for CanCon, especially in the top 30, and there's very few players on the same score. And so splitting up the field, it, it's, it's amazing. Uh, what I don't like about it is how it forces you to play out a game that's already, uh, you know, so one-sided. So say you're absolutely thrashing your opponent and normally you just, you know, shake hands, have a laugh. But no, you have to, you have to play cutthroat. You have to sit there blocking them from whatever agenda they have to do and you've got to be more cutthroat. And it's like, well, yeah. It's a, there's ups and downs to it. You did, did you overall like the structure of how uh, the pack was worded? Um, yeah, I had, had no issues with the pack. Um, I found it uh, nice to list build for. Yeah, interesting. Um, I, I thought it was a great pack as well. Something that was very different. Something that was um, you know, traditionally very vanilla. CanCon is, you know, being Australia's largest event, it doesn't try to be too too quirky with the custom building of scenarios. It doesn't try to do anything too crazy. Um, but I think it was uh, something for everyone in the event. Um, by the way, just the other winners I want to bring up uh, from from um, just a different perspective. Um, so not only do we have our top 10 that we kind of showed off, and um, uh, if you want to see the full listings, it is on Down Under Pairings, uh, the tournament software that we used over the weekend. Um, but some of the other notable uh, awards that were given out, so there was a whole lot of painting and hobby awards. Uh, James Lynch, Danny Carroll, and Tim Barclay were the top three. Um, so James Lynch was first, Danny Carroll second, and Tim Barclay third uh, with the best painted armies, and they were judged uh, by painting judges. We had Vince Venturella running around and a few other people uh, being the painting judges. We had Coolest Army. Now, that Coolest Army was voted by the players, and um, display boards really come into play as well. Uh, when obtaining those um, those votes. And Danny Carroll walked away uh, with an amazing um, uh, character and overlords display. I'll bring it up just uh, just over there. So it's really, really cool KO. Um, uh, Tim Barclay came out second with his display. I'll bring this up just quickly. Um, he built out a mixed destruction force, but that was very pirate themed. Everything was super custom uh, converted and, and it was displayed in a treasure box. So uh, that was pretty neat. Uh, and then finally, I came in third, uh, very honored to be even nominated uh, with my Cities of Sigma um, display board. On top of that, we uh, had some awards for Best Terrain. So Joe Pagano from uh, America, uh, probably worth men mentioning, we had a whole bunch of people come in from New Zealand. Uh, we had, what, th I think 13 of you guys came over, which was awesome. Uh, we had Joe come over. We had two uh, of our Scotland friends coming over. Uh, so the Northern Invasion podcast came over. It was pretty neat. Uh, ben Spinetti and Deke Johnston walked away with Best Terrain. And then finally, Best Opponent, which was awarded to Bruno um, Ken 
and then Joel McGrath. So uh, lots of different hobby kind of celebrated. Um, I really like personally, I don't know what, what, what your thoughts are, but I personally love uh, the spread of awards, whether you are coming here to absolutely win the tournament, you're here because you are a, a painter and a hobbyist, uh, or if you just want to kind of have fun, there really is something for everyone. And I, and I like how um, people get rewarded for it. Yeah, it's something we struggle at in New Zealand. Obviously, we don't hit the, the larger tournaments, so you're normally only kind of geared one way, the tournaments. You're either gearing towards the more competitive scene or you're gearing towards more the, the hobbyists. Um, so coming to a tournament where it's just all there, it's, it's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, no, I absolutely love it. Um, so let's talk about the weekend. Let's talk about uh, it all. For it all very first started, you guys uh, flew over from New Zealand. You got on the bus. Uh, you guys hired a Venga bus. You drove down to CanCon, uh, which is in Canberra, which is a three hours out of Sydney. And uh, we all played a lot of Warhammer in this tin shed. Uh, CanCon is in a convention centre. Uh, by the way, that's where 40K is played in. We're in a, a bit of a nicer building. Uh, but my God, does it get hot. Uh, it's played in a the whole bunch of systems from I think there's Bolt Action to uh, I think there's Kings of War to you know Bushido. There's a whole bunch of different random games, so it's like a big multi-system event. But first things first is we played a game at Jolt. Um, I was painting with Vince Venturella from Warhammer Weekly fame. He was teaching a class on wet blending and on freehand. Um, but what was what were you up to on the Friday, Jimmy? Yeah, so we had the Tasman Cup, um, a 9v9 kind of ETC style, one round, winner takes all. Um, yeah, I was kind of charged with um, coming up with a strategy, kind of a pairing system. Um, and we, we, we went into it uh, feeling that we did really well on the pairings and we hit I think six favorable matchups according to our numbers, uh, two 50-50s and one unfavorable. So yeah, I was, I was really happy with how that went. Um, obviously, you, you take two lots of uh, people's how they how they judge a matchup, and and they're always going to be different. And I think the Aussie team was the same. They had they reckoned they had six or so favorable matchups. So it was yeah, it was a really interesting event. Uh, we ended up going five four. Uh, so we won five, dropped four. I think. So when you, our, say, when you say nine on nine, we're not talking about nine players on a table each. We're playing one on one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a leading question. I know the answer, but I'm just like for some people don't uh, have never played outside of a one on one or maybe a, a double. So it's nine on nine. How do you guys organize uh, who plays who in such a nine on nine kind of fashion? Uh, so. For our, our matchup system, we each put one player forward first, uh, kind of in secret, then they get flipped up. And then the opposing team puts two players forwards to face the one that we put forwards. And we put two forwards to face the one that he put forwards. Uh, then they get flipped up. Uh, we pick one of the two. They pick one of the two to face the original uh, one that was put up. And then that just keeps repeating. The one that's left over is left on the board, and we just keep putting two forwards and picking one until all the matchups are complete. Uh, so it's it, it is hard to to get the matchups you want. So you're trying to figure out who's left on their team, who's left on your team, um, what's going to net you the most favourable matchups. 
yeah, it's a really uh, cool style, and I think it's similar to what ECC does. So what was the key to you guys winning 5-4? So last year uh, in the Trans-Tasman Cup, it was 5-on-5, five five and New Zealand won 3-2. Uh, to two. Uh, What helped you guys secure the victory this time around as well? Now you guys are back-to-back -back, uh, Trans-Tasman Cup winners. Um, I'd say it's uh, how diverse our lists were. We had um, two Zench lists. We had a shooting list in there. We had two kind of undead hordes lists we had the ogre kingdoms coming in we had cities two lots of cities with quite uh differing play styles we had the phoenix uh guard kind of frost phoenix list and we also had a more shooting focus list so i think that diversity really led to um more favorable opponents yeah love it uh question from the chat uh that was submitted in advance uh the aussie war gamer has asked who is the better guitarist named Jimmy? Is it you or is it Jimi Hendrix? Well, I think there's a bit of debate. I think I think Hendrix takes it out in, in, in most favourite and, and Jimmy Page, uh, he's my favourite, so. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But from, from what I saw, I kind of snuck out every so often. Um, we kind of got interrupted uh, towards the end of the wet blending session when LVO announced uh, all the cool releases, both in Age of Sigma and 40K. Love those zotes. Uh, there's some some really cool reveals, and uh, we had we had taken this opportunity to kind of see what you guys were doing and seeing some of the lists. And uh, Australia was up three to nil. Uh, so three the first three games that were decided was in Australia's way. And I know Dan Shorts, who sent her, who was the I guess the moderator or the event organizer was looking a little bit nervous for you guys, but um, yeah, yeah, you a big smirk on your face. You were like, no, nah, we've got this covered. Well, especially seeing uh, two of those first games that we dropped were two favourable matchups. So we were starting to sweat a little bit. Dan's coming over, oh, no, there's... But obviously they had thrown two people under the bus against me and Maddie. Uh, they weren't expecting to win those two, so that was two definites. And then it was kind of the leftover games that were to decide it. The Elf Bro Hayden has asked, uh, or he, he's made the comment that he's here just in time to hear you have his your way with Gabe. So I guess let's hear about your Trans Tasman Cup game. Did you play Gabe and his? Uh, did you play Iron Jaws or Big Wah? Iron Jaws, Iron Sons, uh, uh, sub faction. Um, yeah, it was it was not much of a game, unfortunately. Um, what happened? There's it, nothing you could do. I screened it up. Uh, obviously, I, I play War Clans a lot. Um, played them at Masters. I know the, in, the army inside out, and there was yeah, not much he could do, um, especially in that scenario. Border war. Um, it's kind of central objectives. He has to move forwards to take the central objectives, um, and I'm I've got an 18 inch kill box, so um, he can alpha me, take off my my brimstone screen, but as soon as he's in range, I just yeah kind of annihilated him he won all the priority roles and it, it didn't matter yeah and Dan, dan's throwing shade up and saying that he knew the wins were coming uh he needed that you guys had to get three of the last four and um you know obviously liam was running around with petrofix elite and a new uh you know it could be a tough matchup but you know lee wilmot was the opponent and that was always going to be a great game one of the last ones down to the wire while hayden's asking how did that shooting list go so i'm assuming he's talking about was it Bates? Was Bates running Shootcast, Stormcast, a shooting version? Yeah, he, 
I think he had nine long strikes, but also six Morsar guards. So it was kind of a bit of a mixture. I think something a bit different from what he, what he normally runs. Um, yeah, I don't think that went too well against uh, Hayden Zobia. Uh, I heard that he just went around and uh, with all his six uh, monsters in this little pack and just destroyed the board. Yeah, he wasn't um, running it. Not OBR, he was running uh, uh, yeah. Beast Claw Raiders, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the more tribes. And it was, it was the lowest model count um, uh, army with six models from memory. Um, yep. So super low touch. And uh, I think... I think Sean was pretty comfortable in, in thinking like he was going to beat um, beat Hayden, but uh, boy, oh boy, did he get a surprise. Yeah, we, we tried to prep him for it, told him about the Thunder Tusks and their, um, their shooting abilities, but I think some Aether Wings got, ended up, his screen units got taken off and straight into the long strikes, and I think that was it. Yeah, well, Matt Trill's talking about his amazing Nighthaunt list that uh, he wants people talking about more, so uh, I think so... <laughs> <laughs> but uh it, it was a great uh battle uh you guys well deserve uh that victory again um three from three if you guys win next year we might as well have to give up and maybe get like a new, a new uh, uh, english team or uh you guys are no longer welcome to cancon <laughs> yeah. might, might end up that way <laughs> you guys may you may not get uh the invite um so we we all kind of friday night um doom and darkness had organized a bit of a barbecue there's about 70 to 100 players um came over for a bit of a feed and you know we, we talked and we had you know i mentioned vince ventrella was down we had rob sides from the honest wargamer we had um a whole bunch of people from the international domestic scene you know really catching up uh and and, and potentially meeting each other for the first time which um i experienced last year um, Jimmy, was this, this is obviously your first barbecue. This is the first CanCon you've attended, correct? Yep, it's yeah, it's good. How, how did you find it? Yeah, it was good. Um, it was a little weird, the uh, whole venue. I think a lot of us uh, kind of got drowned out with our talking and we ended up just kind of going outside and, and, and having our little clicks, which was a little bit disappointing, but I mean, it's always going to be that way with that many people in a small hall, but I managed to get around a few groups, introduce myself, um, talk to some people, and yeah, really enjoyed it. Food was good, yeah. Had lots of people coming from all, all over all over Australia, uh, getting to catch up. Uh, I think it's something that um, the best events that I've been to have had this social element, especially before the event, whether um, you can go play games the night before, uh, whether there's some type of breakfast or some type of dinner, um, getting to get, getting to know people, especially someone who who's travelled to tournaments, and you don't you may not have a lot of people or a lot of friends that you know, uh, makes a huge difference when you go to the event. So uh, I really enjoyed that, and I'd highly recommend tournament organisers uh, think about that social element just as much as the uh, the tournament scene. I know um, I've seen the New Zealand Masters. You guys will get a house together and you you hang out as much as you guys play. So um, I love that you guys kind of hate that social scene as well. Yeah, we do. Uh, I love our socialising in, in New Zealand. That's half the reason we play, I guess. <laughs> uh, I might throw another funny question from the from the chat, and then we'll get straight into uh, the rounds, if that's okay. Um, Chaos Spawn has asked: Is soup? Uh, sorry, is cereal considered a soup? Is cereal considered a soup? That's uh, a no for me. It's, uh, right. it's not hot, you know, it's, it's, it's cold. It's, 
there's no other milk-based soups, is there? Oh, I guess you use milk, milk as a creamer. Uh, the Azir Weekly, a.k.a. Jonathan, has asked, um, who was your favourite roommate? Um, my favourite roommate was, was definitely Jono. You know, just um, keeping us all in line, keeping us all PC. It's, it's good. And uh, Dan AOS Shorts uh, believes that your next goal is to enter a few more Australians' events and win the Australian Masters. Is this true? Oh, it's tempting. It's awfully tempting. Um, I think I think the the shorter kind of uh, Masters run is, is making it looking uh, not likely, especially with some of the other tournaments already sold out. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I would, would be keen to do. Um, I love Masters. Masters where you just go and you have... Um, I don't know how many you guys play, but five, you know, five just solid games of AOS. Um, as a competitive player, you normally go to a tournament and you'll have half of them, you'll face competitive players and, and maybe half you'll face less competitive players. And I think it's those those competitive games that I, I really kind of love the game for. So coming over to a Masters event and, and having just five really competitive games that come down to the wire, that's that's what I'd love to do. Yeah, yeah, and look, if anyone who doesn't what the Masters is, uh, the Masters is an invitational event where uh, the best 16 traditionally uh, are invited to play uh, in a bit of a, uh, I guess, a tournament uh, to decide who is the best uh, Age of Sigma player in that particular region, whether it's Australia, New Zealand, England. I know Ben Curry runs the the, um, the UK kind of scene um, for that that point system uh, and the way you kind of get the invitation is um, based on a point system uh, from your top three performances in that competitive season. So uh, winning CanCon definitely gives you a, a huge amount of points and it gives you that head start that uh, basically the higher you rank, the more points you get. So uh, the top three is the way it's kind of organised. So uh, our, our season, I think this year is um, uh, eighteen, uh, only eight months. Uh, primarily because Masters traditionally fell around December, which is usually a crazy time for people with Christmas and things like that. So we've kind of moved it a little bit closer in the year. So um, that's that's one of the goals, and uh, I'd be scared to play you the Australian scene. I think the fact that you're in New Zealand uh, gives me a bit more comfort that you're not coming over in that particular com competition. Yeah, it's, uh, I kind of spouted my mouth a bit prior to uh, KenCon and said uh, if I did well that I'd, I'd look to come over and do masters, but yeah, I think time-wise, it's it's it's. I don't know how viable that would be. Um, before we get into this, one other thing that might be unique to our scene that uh, other other scenes may not have is that players are expected to bring three pieces of terrain to CanCon. Now, uh, as you can imagine, Clint, uh, the the Heralds of War, uh, who runs CanCon, um, with a hundred so two hundred and forty players uh, who had registered, so. 120 tables if you thought about that there are 10 pieces of terrain per table 10 to 10 to 12 pieces of terrain that is a lot it's a lot of terrain so one of the things that we we have to do uh, as players is we bring three pieces of terrain with us that we put on the table um and we organize kind of amongst ourselves how we put them on the table um through a conversation um jonathan from the uh the azir weekly has asked um, how important were those three pieces of terrain for you or even for your opponents that you played? Um, I, I would say that in my six games, they didn't matter at all. 
they potentially could have mattered in the last game. It was the he had the most kind of shooting units. I, I bought some pieces where I could potentially hide some 32 millimeter models. Nothing uh, too crazy, but um, that ended up being uh, a nine-inch deployment zone. Oh, sorry, um, a 15-inch deployment zone, yeah. um, and that really um, hampered his ability to come on on the sides with his um, his shadow warriors. So I I don't think it actually played. Uh, any part in my games, but it was nice having them there. If I really came up against something that could just pop up and blow my whole back line up. Most most players, uh, to be honest with you, I had no issues with terrain. Um, in years gone past, someone could be really gamey that they could, you know, if they were a shooting army, have real flat terrain so it didn't obscure light of sight, or if they didn't have any shooting, they might go try super tall buildings and try to block out as much line of sight as possible. Uh, but I had nothing but great experience and people were being cheesy. So if you're thinking about that or worried about that, uh, no issues from us. Um, I didn't find it impactful for my games. And to be honest with you, the way, the way it's meant to work, you know, quote unquote, is much like you would roll your um, your mystical terrain uh, or mysterious landscapes, um, you know, Jimmy puts a piece of terrain down, I put a piece of terrain down, you, I, you, I. We ended up just chucking it all on one and, and it didn't really matter. I think we just kind of went, yeah, does that look about right? People went, yeah, it looks fine or move, move it slightly and um, there was no issue from us. It was pretty, pretty casual for us anyway. Um, even when I was up near the top tables, people just didn't really care. Yeah, I, I didn't see any other, um, heard no complaints about the terrain, didn't see any um, overly gamey terrain pieces. Obviously, people with Shadow Warriors were able to take little square pieces that they could fit their Shadow Warriors on neatly, but, and people who needed line of sight on maybe like 32 millimeter models, they were taking a little bit there, but I mean, they're just an extra part of the pack, right? You, you account for them and yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, before we get into this, one more question I got from uh, Pyro Painting Studios. He's asked, how did it feel to take the Trans-Tasman Cup and CanCon's first place home in the same weekend? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we were so chuffed uh, after winning the Tasman Cup, um, going home, celebrating, and then um, yeah, taking that, that home on, on Sunday as well. Oh, really wanted a party, but everybody else was so drained that we just ended up kind of just talking on, on the on the deck for a few hours. But yeah, everyone was it, was, it was amazing. Yeah, I loved it. So who was your first round matchup? Let's get into it. Let's talk CanCon. Let's talk about the event. We had three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. Um, who was your first opponent and uh, what were they playing? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, so first round I had uh, Martin Brooks uh, on Border War. He was playing uh, the Ogre Kingdoms. Uh, Frost Lord and a big unit of uh, ogres in Blood Gullet. So you also had a Slaughtermaster and a Butcher trying to hit off that on Balwind, trying to hit that kind of uh, more spell off on you. Um, he kind of moved forwards into, I, I let him go first. He kind of moved into my kill box with his, the ogres and the, um, the Frost Lord. Uh, I think he wasn't expecting the, the firepower that I could put out. And I ended up just taking out those two units in, in one round. Stealing his more spell and using that on him—that was a bit of fun. Um, yeah, it was it was a really really great opponent. I, I loved facing Martin. Um, just very efficient. Our game was over in 
um, about an hour and a half and very efficient, knew all his rules, uh, was very clear on his dice. Yeah, yeah I love facing Martin. Yeah, and did you uh, walk away the full tournament points of 20 or did you uh, give up something? Yep, got the full uh, points of 20. I think he ran plant the flag against me. I ended up having to do a last kind of couple turns bunkering to stop his uh, hunter coming in from the side with some um, wolves. Are they wolves? Frost sabers? Cats? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that came down to kind of wire to, to stop that, but yeah, got the 20 nil in the end. Yeah, awesome. And uh, my first opponent was against the goon boss himself, Seth Cook. Uh, Seth had grudged me um, to play. Uh, it was uh, Hello Heart, Cities of Sigma versus um, the, the Moor Tribes, uh, very uh, beast claw radar or very, uh, you know, had lots of stone. I think it had three stone horns. Uh, it had a unit of 12 uh gluttons uh i think it had two lead belchers uh, i had a couple of uh, frost sabers and it had the uh ice bear hunter um that was really really tough seth hit me really hard uh early on um luckily my frost my, my phoenix guard were able to soak up the damage and um basically pulled out the victory to uh, right at the very end so you know he pinned me down really early with some very fast cavalry that kind of soaked up a whole bunch of damage, hit me even harder than uh, I hit it. Um, and then just through attrition was able to kind of just basically mortal wound the crap out of it with all of the hallow heart magic. Um, got really lucky. I think Seth, um, if he had held me just a little bit longer, would have won it. Um, but it was such an awesome game. I kept saying to Seth, win, lose or draw. Um, I was really happy with that game and um, he's a very good human. So, um, uh, very fortunate, but uh, it was a good game. Yeah, I think he ended up doing quite well too. He ended up 4-2 for the tournament, so only dropped one other game apart from you. So, yeah, yeah, and I, th and I think he, I, I was the only New Zealand uh, victor. Sorry, I was the only person to deliver a New Zealand a defeat in round one. I think you guys have all walked away with invictors uh, in round one. So I think we were all looking scared that, uh, holy crap, New Zealand's coming for the gold after the Trans-Tasman Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is uh, the case. We all had major wins apart from Seth, and yeah, we we're off to a off to an initial high. Uh, round two was uh, Star Strike, and we had uh, the Realmscape feature of Lifespring. Um, who who were you up against? I was up against uh, one of our fellow New Zealanders, Sean Tubman, which was a bit of a bit of a shame. Kind of round two, having to. One of us to go home, well, not go home, but you know, <laughs> be out of the running for for first place. Uh, obviously, the way the tournament was set up, um, first, second, third were guaranteed to have six wins. So, wow, if depending on on how agendas and and the secondaries played out, but more likely than not, you're going to get the the three players with six wins. Um, so yeah. We his his list is is interesting. He's playing Gloom Spite Gits with um, a magic heavy, um, endless spell heavy list. It really is is very scary for a list that runs a lot of backline. Um, had a lot of long range kind of thirty inches D six mortal wound spells. He had Geminids. He had swords, which were scary. Uh, I think he got my my big bird down to six wounds left after. Just two spells, did D6 mortal wounds against him, did six, hit the swords on him, and that did uh, four mortal wounds. And yeah, Ouch. yeah, looking scared. Um, he kind of went for a 
a gambit with Starstrike. Two of ours were kind of on the central. One was off to the side. Um, he couldn't really hold all of them. Uh, went for the early objective points, put us his big spider in the middle with the ethereal and the cogs re-rolling armor saves. And I was still able to kind of magic and shoot it off, which um, got me the wind in the end. Nice that you scored all your points. Um, your secondaries, you got you got it all? No, ended up 18-2. Uh, uh, my first opponent used plant the flag. My second opponent also used uh, plant the flag. <laughs> I was expecting um, after that to get a lot of people using plant the flag against me. Obviously, as soon as you're in a bad matchup, you take uh, the easiest agenda possible. And uh, my third opponent also used plant the flag against me. So uh, games two and three, I went, wasn't able to, to stop them scoring that. It's a really easy agenda to achieve. Um, yeah. Why, why was that an easy agenda to achieve against you? Um, if you're going second in the battle round, all you have to do is get um, five wounds to within the selected train piece, and then you automatically succeed. You, you can't teleport to it, but anyone with, with cavalry or, or some half-decent movement was able to achieve that agenda really easily. Yeah, yeah. Look, to be honest with you, Plant the Flag was my first one uh, against Seth because uh, I knew it would be really tough. Um, my second opponent was against Daniel um, uh, Hegney. Uh, sorry if I uh, mispronounced your name. Uh, he was playing Legion of Grief um, with Lord Executioner. Um, you had Kurdos, you had, um, you know, Guardian of Souls, two Guardian of Souls, two Spirit Torments, Chain Rust, Chain Rust, Chain Rust. By the way, if anyone wants to know all the lists, uh, the lists are published on uh, the CanCon Facebook page, Call to Glory. Uh, it could be on AOS Shorts. It could be on the Heralds of War as well. Uh, you can check out all the lists. I might even put the list in uh, the show description after this on, on the podcast. Um, uh, it was a really tough time. Um, I, I looked at this list and I knew I, I played a lot of Legion of Grief in the past. Um, obviously, I had a lot, whole lot of mortal wounds I could deal, and I had a lot of long-range threats. And given uh, poor Daniel had nothing but really low-wound heroes, I could utilize things like the Everblades Comet, my Celestial Hurricanum. I could use a whole bunch of long-range mortal wounds to just slowly, with attrition, just kind of keep knocking out these heroes and, um, you know, stopping him using his grave sites to bring them back up from the grave um, and then kind of shutting down those heroes um, basically meant that I was able to win that game. So uh, it was a really fun game, really hard matchup for this for this bloke. Um, if he had a whole bunch of, um, like, hordes, it could be a little bit harder, but I know um, I think his biggest units was the Dreads, Dreadside Harridans and the, he had six spirit hosts, but, again, I had enough mortal wounds to kind of knock them down. Um within kind of a turn or two. So uh, it was a good game. Unfortunately, um, a bad matchup for my opponent. So um, I walked away as well with 20 all. So um, so 20 nil. Um, so I was a little bit concerned. I'm, at, I'm, I'm two wins, no losses so far. And uh, people on Twitter start saying to me, Anthony, you're getting close to the sun. You're going to get burnt. You're going to get burnt. Um, which then brings us into round three. Um, so do you remember who you played in round three? It was... Uh, it was Blood and Glory uh, using the Realmscape features of Seed of Hope. So I think that was is that plus one wound to the character, or may, that, maybe that was Life Springs. I can't remember. Life Springs is the plus one wound. Um, Seeds of Hope was the Ignore Battle Shock. On a, on a one. On a one. 
and it heals. I think if it's if it's if it's yeah, it doesn't bring back here. It doesn't bring back models, but if you've got a wounded unit, uh, it will heal up. Yep. Uh, my third round opponent was uh, my Tasman Cup opponent. We had uh, Gabe, Gabe Hunter. What was what was the what was the look on his face? He's like, I've just gotten my butt kicked by you yesterday. Uh, and by the way, in the Trans Tasman Cup, it's the CanCon list that are played. So uh, it's not like you guys had secret list tech. It was like what you were bringing to the event. But Gabe's looked at you and he's like, Oh no, again, Jimmy, uh, Page, Jimmy Page again. He was he was not a happy man. Um, but what a fantastic opponent. He's just so upbeat. Um, such a lovely guy to play. Uh, he, um, being Blood and Glory, but it's not um, a bit different than Border War. He didn't need to come forwards. He didn't need to take those central objectives early. Uh, can play a bit more cagey, and that's exactly what he did. Um, kind of bunkered up, tested my limits, made me kind of have to come out from my castle, expand my, um, my screens. Uh, but, yeah, just made a, a slight mistake when having his... Um, more crusher within my my just within killbox range took out his more crusher and then the kind of things fell apart from there from him but yeah it was really nice to see that um him to take his learnings from from the tasman cup and and apply them and it was it was definitely a, a much much closer game really enjoyed that game against gabe yeah that's awesome and and yeah to be honest most players wouldn't have had an opportunity to play the new zench so uh, it's great to hear that you know, and this is this is the, the the beautiful thing about a tournament is to obtain feedback and apply it immediately. And um, I, I have, I've had a few conversations with players who are like, "How do I get better at playing tournaments?" And the first thing is to ask your opponent for feedback. What did I do differently? Uh, what could I do that could have won the game? Did I make a mistake? And it's amazing what your opponents can share with you, and you, you get an opportunity to immediately put it into effect um, that day or the next day. So. Um, that's really cool that Gabe was able to apply it. Doesn't surprise me. He's a good player. And um, uh, two from two against Gabe. I'm sure uh, there'll be a grudge coming where he wants um, sweet vengeance for those defeats. Oh, yes. I'd, I'd, I'd give Gabe a game any day. He's a lovely opponent. He's a good human. Uh, my round three was against Daniel Worthington from Canberra. Um, I, on my channel, have talked in the past about how much I hate Plague Monks. And um, obviously War Scroll has changed slightly with Plague Monks, but Daniel Worthington had brought four units of 40 Plague Monks. And normally I would hate that, but I have a little spell called uh, Elemental Cyclone where on a four plus, I, sorry, on a, I roll the dice uh, for every model in the unit and on a four plus it dies. Uh, on average each turn, that spell was generating me about 25 mortal wounds to a unit. So I was just picking one at a time, um, combining it with the Umbral Spell Portal and through pure attrition, poor, 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 poor Daniel uh, was just having a bad time and, um, you know, I was just popping off those. Um, he had like a, a, a Vermin Lord Corruptor with a Sword of Judgment, had um, uh, a Grey Seer on Bell, and I played people like Dan Brewer and um, uh, uh, Thomas Holdsworth in the past with their Skaven, so I know um, some, of, some of those big range threats and what you have to do. Um, and I was able to kind of like whittle them down um, I was able to finally get my victory against the Plague Monks. Actually, it's not my first victory, but seeing 140, 120 kind of freaks you out a little bit. Um, no, actually, more than that. Hold on. Four, four times 40 is more than 120. That's yeah, one, 160, 160 uh, Plague Monks alone. Yeah. Skaven's one of those things that um, 
catches off guard the first time you play it. But once you know all their tricks, it's um, they're a bit more easy to uh, to face. Yeah. Yeah. No, and look, you know, he, he didn't have the mortal wounds that you can put out from Gisales and things. It was definitely built around that Nurgle-type build. Uh, it was an awesome game, don't get me wrong. Uh, but again, I, I had the tools to handle it where previously when I've played with them, it's I've been playing with death and um, skeletons have no shooting. Oh, Ossiak Bone Reapers do. Um, speaking of Ossiak Bone Reapers, Mr. Mephisto had asked, how great, oh, it's not even a question. It's like, how great are the Ossiak Bone Reapers and how wrong am I about them? Um, so I, I've been giving him a bit of shade saying Ossiak Bone Reapers are, are, are rubbish. Uh, clearly I know they're good, but, uh, Mr. Mephisto is a big fan of the Ossiak Bone Reapers, but I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on the Ossiak Bone Reapers? Did you get an get opportunity to play against with them and how do you, have you found them? Um, I only had one kind of warm up game coming into CanCon with my list and it was against, uh, Timothy Lynn's, um, Ossiak Bone Reapers kind of like the standard Arcane 2 crawler list. Um, I mean, they're, they're one of those armies that people are going to love or hate because they're such a um, good counter to some things, but then just fall apart in, in other matchups. And I think that's the way they're always going to be. They're just going to need good matchups to win a tournament. Uh, Nagash had a better run, obviously, at... CanCon, it was Realm of Life, lots more healing, lots more defensive spells, the mirror pool to teleport forwards before unleashing his um, torrent of arcane bolts. But uh, I think that Nagash Petrifix list will do a lot worse at other tournaments. Mm. I think that was, that was a, a definitely a CanCon only um, threat. Yeah, I'm pretty sure um, on your game, um, your game against Simon Hall in round six, um, the Josh Carroll, who who ended up coming second with his uh, OBR Petrofix Elite Nagash list, um, they interviewed him because his game finished first, and and he made the exact same comment. He had said, um, if this wasn't being played in Gairan, I probably wouldn't have taken Nagash. He may have gone down like the um, the Liege Cavalos route, or you know, an Arcan the Black route, maybe some catapults, maybe more 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 tech guard. Um, but he was saying that yeah, hundred percent Nagash with Mirapool. Um, with um, Flesh to Stone, with some of those other healing spells, uh, definitely served him much better this weekend. So um, good call out. Um, the other question I'm going to pull out from the chat here is um, from Tronhammer, and he said, um, you've won major events with Death at Notorious. Uh, you won the Masters with Destruction, and now you've won them with Chaos. What order army would you pick and why? Oh, what order army will I pick? Um, I think that might just be the one one uh, faction I wouldn't touch. Maybe Seraphon. I, I love how zenchi Seraphon is. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely not something that's ever caught my eye in any of the books. Um, I like some of the Tekken cities, but... Um, Nothing that, that takes my fancy in order, really. Fair enough. Uh, what'd you get up to Saturday night? So uh, we're all staying in this cabin-like uh, accommodation at the Carousel. Um, it's basically like fit six or eight dudes in these like bunk rooms. Uh, it's very low brow, super cheap. Um, it's it's nice for what it is, uh, but does it smell like man? 
um, and uh, does it get loud? It's awesome, but man, it, it, you're not getting comfortable that night. So, what'd you get up to Saturday night? Um, well, we split our New Zealand cabins one into kind of the party cabin and one into the uh, the non the kind of the quiet cabin. So I was in the quiet cabin, so I, I got to kind of sit there, talk, um, went through maybe the top 15 to 20 players of lists for who was remaining with, with some of the other the players who were there. Uh, Maddie was there as well. He was 3-0 after the first day as well. So we're both, and up, as, as um, the draws posted at what, like 11-ish at night, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of, we're already kind of heading towards fair. Then all, all of a sudden everyone's up again, kind of talking about their matchups. Um, yeah, it was, it was, would have been nice to go out and party, but <laughs> um, if I did, I, I don't think I would have done as well as I did. So I know, I know a certain co-host who, uh, whose internet's rubbish right now did go out that Saturday night. And uh, I think he may have rocked up at five o'clock in the morning and he was not happy uh, as, as you can imagine, I need my beauty sleep. I'm an old man, um, uh, and uh, I, I don't I don't even know what five o'clock looks like in the morning, to be honest. Uh, but he had a great time, and, and it's a great opportunity to party. But you're 100 correct. Clint released the drawer at uh, at 11 o'clock at night. Some people are able to go to sleep. Some people are going to to list building mode, and they start strategizing. Like um, you know, because we, we we were playing places of arcane power, so uh, Clint. Um, uh, announced the draw in advance. So after um, after list is submitted, he let you know um, what those rounds are going to be. So we knew we were playing a place of arcane power. We knew who our opponent was uh, and let the, the strategy begin. Um, and as uh, A. Huey has called out, uh, while the Caratel is awesome and cheap, it's definitely not as cheap as the Measure Gaming boys uh, who always prefer to, to camp. Um, so shout out to the guys who camp. I'm... Uh, I'm too much of a city slicker to need to go camping. I, I need I need all my electronics. I had like an air purifier. I had like Zupa Dupas in the freezer. Uh, I had I, I, me yeah, and camping I have, don't mix. I have a bad back, so uh, I would not be happy after after camping. Fair enough. Uh, I will call out uh, learn train tra learn train play. Uh, made a really cool point. Um, so. Uh, prior to CanCon, I know when you guys got the Venga bus down, um, Vince Ventrella come to my house to stream Warhammer Weekly, and we're doing his interview. And uh, I had made a comment. Um, I don't know how it came up, but I had made a comment that I wanted to see uh, the Changeling use uh, Nagash's own spell, Hand of Dust, on him and take him out. And I said I would uh, award a prize to that person. And Ash McEwen, uh, boy, oh, boy, did he take my prize. I don't know what it is yet. Vince and I are going to find a prize. It has to be something worthwhile. But he was able to get a, a changeling uh, near Nagash, cast uh, the Bailwind Vortex using some Destiny dice, so it kind of went up, using that extended 6-inch range on Hand of Dust, which is normally 3, so it's a now a 9-inch threat, uh, was able to use the Hand of Dust and uh, and the Hand... Uh, disappeared in a gash um that's an epic story yeah that's that's amazing <laughs> obviously i didn't have the bow i did have the changeling i didn't have the bow win but i don't think i could have ever pulled it off so just big ups to ash for attempting that and, and pulling it off i heard that he faced two nagash pitch fixes uh the first one if he, he got 
the changeling within nine inches, but had already cast the Bowwood on one of his other um, heroes and totally forgot that he was going to do it on his changeling. So uh, I'm glad he got it the second time around. Yeah, I didn't even know about it. I was playing a game in round five and Vince runs up and goes, hey, hey, Nagash has been handed dusted. I'm like, so what? I don't care. What are you telling me this for, Vince? And like, because I'm obviously in game mode, like I'm absolutely focused on fighting this army. And it kind of clicked and I'm like, oh, that's right. We made this bet. Oh, wait. What he's done is freaking amazing. Um, it did kind of like the, the cogs weren't clicking just yet, but uh, shout out to Ash McEwen. Uh, that was an awesome strategy. Um, so round four, we played uh, Places of Arcane Power using Seed of Hope. Uh, who did you play and how did it go? Um, I was up against uh, Lane Housen with his big wag. Um, I was quite happy to obviously see this matchup. And, <laughs> um, Why is that? Because you played it, yeah. Obviously, I know I know the analyst inside out. Um, it doesn't worry me too much. They um, they have no good means for wiping screens while piling through. They've got no double pile-ins. They've got yeah. It's 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 definitely a hard matchup for him. Um, and it, he accidentally made it harder on himself. Uh, he said he was talking to the to. Um, some guys in the car on the way over, and uh, they mentioned battle line capturing the objectives in the in the three places of arcane power, which uh, obviously they can't. So after setup, uh, I made him went first, and he started um, using his mighty destroyer move uh, hero phase movements on his non heroes. I'm thinking, what are you doing, man? You, you, you know, heroes kept the points, say, eh? and and yeah, he. The look on his face was was not a, a happy one. Um, so yeah, he kind of messed up deployment. Um, wasn't able to capture points first turn. Uh, I I just captured one, bunkered on it, and just kept him clearing him off the centre one for the for the rest of the game. And yeah, easy victory. Did you score your full tw uh, twenty points? Yes, full twenty went in, in that one. Um, luckily, he didn't have plant the flag to, to use against me. Um, he, I just had to keep him outside of my um, territory to get my one, and um, I can't remember what his, but yeah, so I tabled him, I think, turn four or five. Yeah. Good game. Uh, I had the quickest game of Warhammer I've ever had in my entire life, and I conceded in turn one. Uh, so I'm going to acknowledge the pink elephant in the room. I'm sure some people might know about this, and I'm, I'm okay with it. So um, happy for you strategists to tell me what I could have done differently. So I played against Caradron Overlords, and um, Danny Carroll, uh, I, I, I played him once um, uh, in Border Wars, and uh, it was an awesome game. So, you know, he's a great painter as well as a great player. Uh, but he, he had three boats. He had a big boat, a medium boat, and a small boat. Uh, those medium and big boats were full of uh, Arcanaut companies, they went up into the sky, dropped down from the sky, and shot off all of my heroes except for the anointed. So I gave away first turn. Now, the logic was um, if I'm going to handle this, I need to be able to use some magic on him. Um, now, if I can weather the storm and put my heroes next to my battle line so they get minus one to hit with Lookout Sir, if I'm able to do a bunch of things and hopefully soak that damage up, or at least kind of have some characters on one on one wound, I would be able to uh, mortal wound the crap out of that 1,000 points. The challenge was that in any other scenario, 
I would have backboarded my heroes. They would be behind my enemy lines and also behind my lines. And I'd screened my deployment so he couldn't drop behind me. Um, but being a hero-based scenario, I needed my heroes close to the objective. So that was what I that was the risk that I took. I gave it the first turn away. If I kept it, I could have maybe cast a minus one to hit using Thea's protection on one thing. Um but otherwise I could like I think it was just a really bad matchup. I don't think I played it wrong, but I also yeah, I'd be curious to know how someone else would have handled that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, after he shot off all my heroes except for my anointed, um, who was on half wounds, uh, including my Harakhanum, I'm like, the game's over. I can't kill a 1,000 points. I can't score my, my secondary objective. Um, I can't I can't win the game. I might as well go and, and, and go buy some stuff at the convention and rest for round five. I don't know. Maybe you, the winner of CanCon, might have an idea for me. Yeah, obviously you um, you would have had to to deploy more KG, get your heroes in more back backline, um, use maybe mirror pool to to take some objectives later in the game. Obviously you can't cap after mirror pooling, but um, yeah, obviously you can't have your your heroes all shot off first and own whether or not that would have won a game. Who knows? But yeah. I felt oh, like the, I felt like it was the inevitable. If I did, if I backboarded my heroes, it probably would have been shot off in turn two or turn three. And by that stage, his heroes were already scoring points. Um, yeah. But uh, I think that, I, I, don't, I don't know. That was, I, I was, you know, I wasn't salty. I wasn't angry. I, I, the game was done. Like, kudos to you. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, you take the risk, or you. Uh... Well, you don't, right? You got to take a risk sometime in the game. You might as well take it early and and go off and have a good time between rounds. Yeah, and I was able to like go take photos and set up my army for for um, the coolest army. I was able to take photos of other people. So, uh, time well spent. So you're on four wins. I'm on three wins, one loss. Um, going into round five, and round five was escalation using life springs. Um, yeah, so I was quite happy with my round four win. Obviously, Lane had just taken out two New Zealanders. I think he had just played Lee and James McGregor previous to me. So that was quite nice to, to have a little bit of vengeance for the, the New Zealand team. And going to round five, I was facing uh, Dalton Copeland. Uh, he had just come off um, taking Maddie out with uh, his Zench list. So um, he would have been feeling good uh, having taken out the other list that's quite similar to mine. Uh, Maddie was more shooting focused and I was more magic focused. Um, but yeah, so escalation for round five. Uh, he had a big scary, he was playing big wag again. So um, three lots of war clans in a row for me. I wasn't too upset with that. Uh, definitely felt like it was um, an achievable win for me. Got Got on stream, my first time being on stream, so uh, all that time spent painting my my army to a higher standard than what I normally do paid off. Um, so I was very happy with that. Um, yeah, he he kind of went for a gambit. He buffed his idol of Gork, uh, flew it across the board sixty inches because he got the double off on the the flying spell. Then I did hear about this. I did hear about this rogue idol sitting right at the back, and the numbers that were quoted to me were like seventy inches, but. I think when a when a rogue idol moves any more than thirty inches in a round, it's it's ridiculous. 
yeah, if you're getting the the Breath of Gork double movement spell, he's he's base ten, so that puts him up to twenty. If and and then you've got my destroyers to move him twice during the hero phase, and he flies, so it's twenty twenty. But if you get the casting off on a double, which he did, he got double sixes. Um, it gets to move thirty. It triples its movement, and Mighty destroys it twice. So he was in one corner and just went to the other corner, pretty much. Um, and I had prepared for this. I had um, obviously anyone can go see that game. It was uh, on stream. I had tactically made sure that I had placed um, as much models around the place as I could. Uh, to stop his base flying over my lines so he had to put him outside three of my front lines and try to uh, charge over he he needed a long charge i think maybe a 12 or 11 would have got him into my back line and uh, he took the risk um i only scored a 10 inch charge uh, went into some blue uh, some brims and pinks and i think he ended up killing 10 brims and six pinks um it was quite surprising <laughs> He, he because he did most of his attacks into the pink horrors and only killed six so i shot oh, it off wow okay yeah i i i magicked and shot off the idol in, in one round took um took one objective and then just kind of slowly moved across the board wiping him out uh so J joel graham has asked um uh, if you could change one thing about uh your list what would it be and why Um, I don't think the Gaunt Summoner Dark Fire Portal was necessary. I think having another unit of horrors that was in the change host able to be flung around the board at will would have been a lot made some games a lot easier, especially the last round. If I had a unit that I could just pick up, place anywhere, I would have taken some of those other objectives a lot earlier. Um, and yeah, I don't think I, I barely used Dark Fire Portal the whole tournament. It was, it was a nice thing to have to, to scare people off, but um, it definitely was not required. It was more like a, a win-more situation most of the time. I had enough damage within my kill box to kill anything in range. I didn't need more damage. I should have just taken the extra flexibility of having more horrors. Yeah, and I know when we watched game six, which was against Simon Hall, uh, he had dropped down his prime exactly to try to take out that Gaunt Summoner. Uh, and shut down that endless spell. So, and we'll get to that game very soon. Um, round five in Escalation, I played against Jordan Burgess. The first time I've played uh, one of my club mates. He's uh, an awesome dude uh, from the Clan Filth boys. Uh, I kind of swing between two clubs. I mean, the Lords of Ruin and Clan Filth, uh, because Clan Filth play a lot more closer to me, uh, but Lords of Ruin are my click. Um, so I played Jordan. He played uh, his Nurgle list, and um, he ran about 20 to 25 Black Kings. Um, and being this scenario has got, uh, you know, you put your, your battle line on the nine-inch line. Um, he certainly had the advantage over me uh, with his uh, Narmor and all of his battle line on the nine, while my little old Hurricane is back on the 24. So uh, that came down to one tournament point or one victory point, and Jordan did take it away from me uh, as we kind of rushed through the last round. But it was a great game. Um, those Black Kings, you know, getting first turn, running up on top of the objectives and trying to take them out. Uh, boy, oh, boy, are they rough. Uh, it was a great game, um, but... I was like, I just need that little bit extra time, uh, and I would have swung in, in my favour, um, you know. So, you know, 
uh, a block of, of black kings on either side, big juicy middle, had a whole bunch of heroes in the middle. Um, obviously with Mirapool can kind of jump around a little bit, but um, his flanks were stronger than mine. And um, ultimately he was able to kind of like, it was basically I held the center, he held the sides, and then I had to kind of sh take over one of those sides and then try to move to the other side. Um, so it was a good game. It was a really good game. Uh, I, I lost that one by one point. Uh, I did score, I think it was my secondary, and I think I did hold him back from uh, a thousand points of mine. Um, but ultimately, uh, I'm now on 4 2. A um, couple of other questions. Um, uh, where was the first one? Uh, the Hobby Hobo asks uh, While prying, uh, prying the souls of the innocent, did you ever wonder why he took first, first turn against you at ValleyCon? Oh, so this would be uh, Hayden Holmes. Yeah, it's uh, Hayden. Um, so, uh, yeah, ValleyCon, not last year, the year before, I was playing Zench, and he was playing KO at their prime of Clown Car Prime, and he had enough um, enough damage to pretty much wipe out my whole, my whole unit of all my casters. This is back when Zench had to allocate summoning points, so I had you know, like five, 600 points of summoning in my list, only 1,400 points. He could have just killed all my heroes one turn, eliminated all those. Um, everyone was telling him, oh, you know, you just go first and you've won the game. Um, <laughs> he goes to the table, I deploy in this little bunker, and he gives me first turn. Um, and I just get all my summoning points out. I spread the board, put his clown car in a corner, and, yeah, make it a none game. <laughs> and he gets his, his uh, forever... Um, kicking himself over that one game, the one time he could have beat Jimmy Page. Ah, <laughs> good work. Uh, two other questions before we get into the final round. One from Carwin, and then I'll go to one in the live chat. So Carwin asks, um, what was your toughest matchup uh, with Zench in the current um, incarnation of it? Um, and what would be the hard counter to, to the list that you had built? Um. Hard counters. I, I don't think there was any hard counters. I, I I don't really play lists that that have hard counters. I try to avoid that as much as possible. Um, I think it definitely took a lot of Aussie players by surprise. I think they might be used to facing more like a stormcast shooting list, where you've got to get up in their face real early and take out those threats real early. But that's a much longer range than. Um, what the Zench shooting is. We only have, you know, an 18-inch shooting range, an 18-inch spell range. Um, I mean, there's the odd thing like portals and the, the change host ability, but those are normally leaving things out in the open. Uh, it's not something we'd normally uh, put our things out in the open. Um, and nearly all of my opponents just, just came forward into my kill box every game with, with all their threat units. And I'm like, well, yeah, this is what you do against a Stormcast, you know, but... Zench damages so much, so much more than than a Stormcast. You can't come into the the, the damage box site. Like you've got to wipe out the screens first. So you've got to have that long ranged ability to, you know, so Warclans. You're sending in a unit of three pigs or something to to wipe out as much chaff as screen as possible, and then following through, uh, you know, kind of torpedo hammer where you you buff one unit and you wipe screens and then you wipe screens until you you kind of break open that backline and then that's when you go for the kill. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I, I really think the um, the damage took a lot of Aussies by surprise. Yeah, I think um, it's been a while since we've seen the change host 
uh, and certainly the the type of build for the change host. Um, you know, m m most people are very familiar with pinks. It's probably been a while since they played against the horror build, um, but I don't think I've seen ever seen a flamer in Age of Sigma. Um, I think the last flamers I saw was in Fantasy, so I think it's been I think it's caught a lot of people by surprise, and it's asking new questions for people's list building and play style. Yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit of time to adapt, and a lot of complaints are going to be um, be had over these lists, obviously, because they're going to do so well until people can adapt. Um, but I definitely think that that cities um, OBR is a lot of kind of long range lists that that can do enough damage, or even Warclans, um, Bigwa, clear out those screens with some. You know, you, you just got to trade up. You trade trade your units for some screens and then and get into the back lines yeah fair call uh dan mitchell's also asked uh there's a lot of rage online with with zench uh what's your views on it is is zench broken is it a negative play experience or do players just need to adapt to the new meta or is it a bit of both uh, it's definitely a bit of both um i think anyone who thinks there is no power creep at the moment is is, is a bit crazy uh there's definitely power creep if you're not playing a book in the last year you're you're kind of definitely having a a harder time of it um but if you are playing but i mean with the, the book releases coming so hot and heavy now uh, I, I don't think that power creep is as much as a problem as in the past where we'd only have one book every what three to six months and that book would dominate for another kind of three to six months. Um, I think cities have the tech to, to take them out. I think OBR can possibly do some work with um, crawlers. Um, but yeah, once once people adapt a bit more, you, there might be the odd, but Zench obviously has a lot more than just chain shows coming uh, and you're going to get them uh, adapting as well. You've got a lot of melee and uh, Melee goodness in the Zench book, um, especially with STD being able to be taken. And so I think the top Zench lists are actually going to be more mixed arms. You're going to get some long range magic and shooting combined with some really nice uh, melee units such as Marauders or Chaos Knights, um, Enlightened. And I think that those are going to be the top lists. Yeah, oh, great call. Um, the last round is uh, we had was game six, which was focal points using uh, the Verdant Landscapes, which uh, I believe is no realm effect from memory. Um, who we, we know that you were on stream again. Uh, this is round six against Simon Hall, um, who is playing Cities of Sigma, and I think caught a lot of people by surprise. They thought it'd be like a uh, like a Hallow Heart or a Tempest Eye on the on the top tables, uh, but it was actually. Hammerhall. Yeah, what a lovely list. He had um, so much. Um, like when when I build lists, you know, I, I don't build lists. I build strategies, and you can look at his list and you can see, well, this this list has strategy in it. You know, he's got the bridge. He's got Phoenix Guard. He's got um, Hurricanum, all just piling over that bridge, um, hitting your front line with the Phoenix Guard, piling in twice. Um, the Frost Phoenix is moving 16 inches and hitting your front line, piling in twice. Two, uh, two units of Shadow Warriors. 
two shadow warriors to shoot off your screens before they so that the phoenix guard have a nice just pile through um he had a storm a, the, the prime uh, in the sky so he's coming down and and kind of using the the, the his mace in conjunction with um chain lightning for aoe backline damage oh it's, it's just such a nice list it's a nice little list tech as well because um hammerhawk can double pile in if you're in your opponent's territory and knowing that the the, the celestine prime can drop down anywhere on the table means that with that one command point and its ability to change uh one dice roll um it means he's, he's likely going to he's, he's always going to basically hit his charge and with a command point double pile in and um it could be nasty it's it's a good little good little plan for a hammerhall list prime probably in other armies not so much but in hammerhall i think it worked really well and then in conjunction with the frost phoenix and um i was watching that game and um he had a couple of really unlucky and i was talking to simon actually yesterday being cities we we're talking about this and like there's a couple of really crucial charge rolls that he failed and he had to use his command points and i'm sure he would have loved them up his sleeve to double pile in but it was the choice of the cp for the the reroll or for the um for the double pile in and um you guys played a great game it was such a swingy game that you, either either one of you could have won and then it kind of went your way uh towards the end but how did you see it yeah obviously um it's one of those games where the times the, the biggest factor, right? I, th I I felt that as long as I could get to turn four, turn five, that the game was mine. Um, yeah. So after after deployment, I look at the time, and we're already half an hour down, and I'm I'm starting to freak out a bit. Uh, after turn one, we're like a hour and a half down. I was like, oh, this is this is not looking good. Um, I just started thinking what what is the minimum i need to accomplish in each turn and i just started ignoring most of my abilities and and just started um only doing what i needed to do which did make me forget a few abilities which would have um made the game so much easier i've got a battleshock test on my pinks which could have brought back d6 extra pinks which would have just um scored me objective uh, turn sooner um yeah so it was a very stressful game i was dehydrated it was it was yeah it was um and simon's a great it was a scrappy game which which is which is great right it's it was, it was such a, a fun game in the end looking back um because those are the kind of games where um you know you come to these tournaments for for those really nail biter close games yeah i loved it and simon I know, was, yeah, he, so I was talking to Seth and um, he was saying that, you know, normally you could do like the square root of pi, um, you know, you, you're very sharp. But, you know, when uh, you were talking to AOS Shorts in the post-event uh, wrap-up interview, uh, you were very incoherent and uh, not making a lot of sense, uh, as, according to Seth. So um, he wanted Seth wanted to ask how fried was your computer after the sixth game? Yes, that's kind of a little in-joke there. My... I guess my nickname in the, in the New Zealand scene is, is IBM. They, they just they call me the computer. Um, but yeah, I was, I was fried after, after that game. Um, and there's, I, I did have a couple of rules wrongs during the game. No, nothing serious, 
you know, I was I, I tried to split pinks into a combat that I wasn't already in. I was already in combat, and I was like, oh yeah, I can split them in combat. No, you can't bring something new into combat with the splitting. That's um, something I didn't know about. Obviously, it's a new book, um, and I wasn't aware of that. And also unbinding, uh, I thought it needed line of sight. Um, obviously, it doesn't. Um, I think it maybe used to at one point. Yeah, I, I think I think I think in the very first AOS one, you you needed line of sight to unbind, uh, but they removed that wording in AOS two. Yeah, so obviously I had still had that hang up, and just it's one of those things, you know, you just don't never looked at it. Um, it's never come up before in a game. Um, yeah, so I hate getting rules wrong, especially on stream. Um, that threw me off early in the game. I was like, oh. But yeah, managed to, to keep my head together and, and do what was needed to, to win the game. And big props to Simon. I feel, I feel like he played faster and faster as the game went. Uh, he could have potentially slow played his way to that win, and he didn't. So um, big props to him. Yeah. Um, Dan Mitchell's asked, do you think we'll see OBR list switch from Petrofix Elite to a Null Myriad, which is very much a uh, an anti-magic type list build? Do you think Do you think we're going to see that shift, or do you reckon they'll stick to Petrofix? Oh, they'll stick to Petrofix. Um, I mean, you can't, especially since Zench has so much uh, shooting and combat damage, you're just going to make us shooting and combat stronger by taking one less armor save all to get a slight um, magic advantage, you know? It's, and then what do you do when you don't face the magic armies? It just makes you that much worse against them. You're going to lose, you're going to drop those games. I just don't see it as viable. And I know when I was building my list, I'm thinking about how do I handle a turn one charging um, ogre or um, iron jaws list? I'm thinking how do I handle a, um, a OBR list? So how model wounds or rend? How am I handling um, Petrofix with, um, with with catapults and, and handling those long-range threats? I'm thinking about model wounds from Skaven. I'm thinking about Zench. I'm thinking about KO. I'm thinking about there are so many, and I mentioned right at the start of the stream, this feels very much scissor, paper, rock. Is you know I could build down one route and try to handle a Slanesh, but by going down too much of that route, I'm probably going to be exposed by a Stormcast shooting list or you know like a high movement, high wound, Legion of Grief list. It's, I think, it's a really good point. Um, speaking of yeah. Slanet, Chris, sorry, go on. Yeah, I, I, I don't like that kind of play. Obviously, I'm, I'm very calculated. I, I, I like to have all round lists, something that can. I, I pretty much sit there and, and I pull out all the top lists at the, at the time and make sure I have um, something that take, can take pretty much anything out. Um, you know, you, you always should have a strategy to face everything. I, I don't like not having a strategy it, but i mean it, it, it's, it's a viable strategy right to to come in and, and place the paper scissors rock you could get all the good matchups and that could to get you the victory in a tournament especially if they become um so prevalent maybe if if you know half the scenes playing doc then yeah maybe yeah but, definitely something to consider yeah so i think there was something like i think there was almost double the size of um the obr lists at lvo i think it was like 30 or more um while, while you're sipping that drink, I know Christopher um, Schultz, I think it's, uh, I think Chris has said, um, how do you guys feel about Slanesh as a competitive faction? Um, do you think it's still strong in this current um, uh, adjustment after the FAQ? Um, yeah, I think they're strong. I think uh, they've still got their double pile on ability. 
they they were winning a lot of games without needing the the summoning points, and that's what's been hit hardest, I think. So I think they've still got their their core abilities. They're fast. They double pile in. They generate lots of CP points. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think they're still viable. And as as um, Dan Mitchell and Tinnies have said as well, um, you know, for me, one of the best books that were released in 2019 was City because it's so flexible and adapts with the meta. And as the the meta evolves, yeah. Hello Heart might be really good right now, but Tempest Eye will come into its own. Or, you know, Anvil Guard really did well in the top 10. Um, it has It's such a deep book. And then you think about the fact that it can bring in one in four Stormcast, one in one in four Sylvaneth, one in four KO, depending on which city you, you take. Uh, bring in Daughters of Cain allies. There's, it, it's a very deep, rich book. So um, a lot of tricks in that as well. Yeah, and the same with... Um... Slaves to Darkness and Zench, both very deep books, and there's a lot to see from those. I, I think Slaves have the strongest list at the moment. I won't divulge too much what that is. But. <laughs> oh, secret list tech. That's why you wouldn't answer if uh, what what you take in order because you're you're looking down Slaves. Um, you mentioned earlier about playing on stream, and I know Chris Hallett had mentioned. Um, what was it like playing on a stream? So a lot of people haven't played on stream. I I was very fortunate to play on uh, Warhammer Television um, when I was at Blood and Glory. And, um, you know, he, he said, I can imagine people on the top table at the pointy end of a tournament, uh, you may have this inner calmness and control, but there's also that extra level of stress when it comes to the stream, uh, remembering your rules. I know in some tournaments, like in 40K, some people have been caught cheating, whether it's uh, intentional or unintentional by moving a model or doing something that they shouldn't have done. How did you find playing on stream? Did you I, feel good? I, I, I absolutely loved it. Like um, I got off the stream afterwards and looked on some Discord servers and that, and my mates back home and their wives and, and they have had me up on the big screen and they're watching me and supporting me. And oh, that, that feeling is, is, is amazing. And, and having that opportunity is, 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 yeah, really big props to, to Robin for, for putting me on stream. Yeah, love it. Did you, did you um, were you more conscious of what you did? Did you even think about the, um, the stream at all? Like, were you, is it just there? Uh, for me, it was just there. Yeah, definitely, I felt affected my opponents more. Um, we had Dalton. He was kind of looking up his his spell castings every time. You know, he's making sure he's not getting anything wrong. But I, I was, I just, I guess, a bit more confident in, in what I was doing. Um, but yeah, yeah, really loved that opportunity. Yeah, it's, and, and funnily enough, actually, my opponent from Blood and Glory is in the chat. So shout out to Priority Royal Podcast, Dan Mitchell, uh, Terra Dan, who's been running around with Seraphon lately. Um, I absolutely had a ball with with Dan. That was my very first horror experience with um, uh, with Plague Monks, where uh, I buffed up my Carmine Dragon. Uh, the Law Master had made it re-roll hits and wounds. Um, I put uh, the old. Um, the, the realm of Gairan uh, used to be you uh, heal D3 mortal wounds, but then you get a six up ward save. So it had a five up and a six up and it was buffed to the nines. I charged this hurric uh, this, um, this carmine dragon up the field, three inch charge into plague monks, rolled a three, except the, the musician, I think it uh, minus one to, to the charge roll. 
So I failed this charge. Dan charged me, absolutely monstered this dragon. It did some damage and those mortal wounds got thrown back because um, of death frenzy. So um, he was the first person to absolutely give me nightmares with plague monks. So thank you very much, Dan. Love your work and go check out uh, Priority Roll Podcast. He's doing some really good stuff. Um, another question I had from um, Charles Black. Um, he, he's raised a really interesting point. And, and um, one of the things that you got, you had potentially an advantage on was that um, you got to run a book pre-FAQ. So the FAQ for Zench and Caradron haven't dropped yet. Um, and traditionally, most tournaments don't allow you to do so. So Charles has said, um, do you believe tournaments should allow uh, battle tomes before an FAQ is released? Um, this year, he felt that um, he, he was genuinely supportive of that, uh, but he, he may feel wrong um, after reflecting on the results. What were what are your thoughts on on, on running around books pre FAQ? Well, I mean, if you've got you know, you, the big issue is the war scrolls aren't on the app if if the book's dropped. Um, if the book's dropped, the, the app's normally updated. Uh, it doesn't give your opponent much chance to to look up um, what you're playing. Um, I think that's the biggest issue with um, not playing the latest released is it's less accessible for your opponent to know your rules. Um, but yeah, and given that it's it, letting it in, obviously it's um, something that people have less time to prepare for. Uh, there might be the odd thing where the rules team have, have um, misworded something. Or, and this time, I don't think there was too much. Um, obviously, Clinton, Clint, uh, Clint was um, talking to G-Dub as much as possible about, about how they would rule things. Um, and I don't agree with some of the rulings, the way that the Destiny dice... Uh, coming in, if that's coming in on the FAQ, that's um, really disappointing because it's something that's not needed in the battle time. Um, what, was would, the, what, what was the ruling, just for clarity, for people who might not know what you're talking about? So the ruling was that Destiny dice ignore all modifiers. So if I'm using um, dice to cast a spell, I don't get any of my modifiers plus to cast. If I'm charging, I don't get any modifiers plus to charge. Um, but then there's the big one like armor saves. Rend is a modifier, so I can ignore rend with Destiny dice. Um, Battle shock, uh, Battle shock is a modifier, so I can just use one dice and ignore any Battle shock, which is obviously huge in horrors. Who um, you've got big big blocks of many wounds and people come in do 20, 30 wounds and nothing happens to the unit. You're just still stuck there with them. Yeah. Um, so I feel that's a bit controversial, and I, I would have been happy at being that the dice cannot be the natural roll can't be modified any further. So, um, you know, you can't use the Lord of Changes ability to make one dice into another. You know, that's affecting the natural roll. You can't use rerolls on it, which is affecting the natural roll. Um, but yeah, they went with with the full modifiers for it. Um, yeah. You, you've raised an interesting point because when I was at Adepticon and I played uh, a Brass Stampede list, um, Adepticon had ruled, and because I think Blade, the new Blades of Corn book um, had come out a week prior to Adepticon, so Adepticon used the old book 
um, which was good in such a way that my opponent didn't have to modify his list so quickly to the tournament. And I know that impacted a lot of Carriage and Overlords players moving into CanCon and lists had changed quite significantly. And um, for some players, they had to rush out and kind of quickly um, they, they didn't get to practice a game. I know last year when I played the Gloom Spike Gits, I, I had I had no practice because I ran the Gits. Um, and to be honest with you, most of my models were coming out the week prior to CanCon. Um, so I know that was really challenging for me. Um, and I know the frustration point that um, my opponent had with the Brass Stampede, which was he had to keep looking back at the old book. He had to keep showing me the old book because I couldn't look at the War Scrolls. And obviously the... Um, the Brass Stampede, we know that they lost the magic ward save that they had, but they gained plus one to their armor save. So the actual war scroll changed a lot as well. So the play style changed. And I think the um, if he was to play with that army in the new book, um, I think he was over by a couple of hundred points. So um, it was very, very different. Um, but I know that he was happy to run the old book because he didn't get to practice the new book. Uh, but I also know it was very frustrating. So it's interesting to hear your side. I know I I let Beasts of Chaos players use the the, the new book um, in my last well, my second last Sydney GT, and there was no issues. The FAQs didn't change anything. Um, Gloom Spike gets no rule changes when it comes to the FAQ. But Sorry, I just dropped out. Okay. Um, so we might reflect on some of these moments and realize that um, maybe the ruling was, was maybe it was okay. Maybe there was no issues in the end with the FAQ, but it's interesting conundrum. Um, it's really interesting to see uh, an event. And I think it's the right, it was the right call um, and we just accept it. Yeah, obviously it, it, it gives players like me an advantage. I, I don't play outside tournaments, you know, so I don't, I don't need a lot of games to, to prepare so these players who need to learn the lists and, and and play them a lot to to learn how to play them maybe they they don't do as well at the tournament taking a new list but i i only play at tournaments so i i i can normally just pick up whatever and 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 play it to a, a high level and i think players like me are the ones who get the most advantage for um for the the book releases close to the tournament by the way, the chat was really excited that uh, for like um, uh, thirty seconds I dropped off, and they thought you were taking over the channel. So, <laughs> so, so, Jimmy, look, Liam's not here. Maybe you're now the you, you're now the official. Uh, you've you've won CanCon, so the official prizes. You are now my official co-host. I'll let Liam know that uh, to hand you over his equipment and um, to to uh, give me back his access pass to the channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Rocco, Rocco, um, uh, one of the friends of the channel had said, um, if he, if you were to fight your army, so let's say you were Simon, or let's say you were on the opposite side of the table, uh, and you were going up against your list, how do you think you would go, and how would you attack it? So yeah, as I think I've covered most of the points earlier. You, you have to just remove the screens, 
uh, stay outside the kill box, um, know those ranges really well. You know, you can't get within 27 inches of the flamers. Uh, if you do that, then that gives him the ability to not have to use the chain chase ability on the, the flamers. So you can just move the screens up or that with the chain chase ability while still having the flamers move up and still shoot. Um, you have you have to trade. So you're going to have to throw stuff at those screens. Um, but as long as you're trading, uh, I don't know, kind of cheap units to, to remove those screens, then I think you are coming out ahead. It's not going to be uh, a two or three turn game. I think you need to play for four or five turns. You need to expect that it's going to take a turn to remove the screens. You're going to have to prob possibly give up central objectives sometimes. Um, possibly you're taking them out with, with cheap um, tradable units. Um, but yeah, you have, to, you have to let them come up, open themselves up, open those screens up. Otherwise, you can't enter their kill box with your threat units. Not without the screens open. What was your highlight of CanCon? And and I I, I agree, a hundred percent agree. And I think people are freaking out right now around the sheer amount of wounds that are sitting within um within the horror unit. Uh, but that kill box, when you look at what your build was with all the flamers and the exalted flamers, uh, people were predicting that you would change host. Well, not you, but uh, people like you would just pick up and kind of teleport those flamers straight away, and and just try to do it like a a quick nerf. But then you've just exposed yourself with so much that 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 kind of rolling tide kill box that um, Vince and I were talking about on Warhammer Weekly. That is so that's so much more scary, and you got to chew your way through those horrors or whatever's you know whatever chaff you're running. Yeah, exactly. Because you've got the reroll hits from the Fate Master. You've got the aura of mutability for plus one to wound. Those buffs are huge. You know, massive damage buffs. Uh, especially if you're not facing hordes, and flamers get the plus to hit against the hordes, so they're they're doing damage against hordes. But if you're not, you need those extra buffs. Otherwise, you're only on a four plus, maybe three plus uh, if you've got exalted nearby. Um, and then your minus one to hit from um, lookout sir, your minus one from other abilities, and yeah, I, I think the the rolling kill box is what you need to take up. Um, I think people overestimate the wounds and the horrors. It's, you know, it's, it's only a six-up ward save, a six-up armor save. You do have the six-up ward save in the pinks. That's only 10 wounds. Once that's down, uh, the unit crumbles. And hopefully we get the Destiny dice to be um, ruled the other way in the FAQ. I'm really hoping that's the case because having the horrors just Battleshock off, you know, you do 29 wounds to it. It takes out the other 21. 29 wounds, nearly every single threat unit in the game can do 29 wounds you know it's not a lot especially against a six up armor save so i think people especially simon i think he was a little too scared of of the the amount of wounds the horror i, I know i i'd hit them with a the dark fire portal and then resurrected six to add another 30 odd wounds to the unit which was um what i had to do to win that game but i think he she kind of shied off from from really digging into that unit early I think that, that cost him. I think he could have dug into that unit a bit earlier and um, gotten through it. I think the challenge that uh, people are thinking about now is that, you know, when, when Change Host was really strong uh, in the previous book, um, you could a, a unit could only capture one objective. Um, you know, you weren't, you, weren't, you weren't able to control more than one objective, but now you have this unit of horrors and watching your stream, it's so beautiful where, you know, the horrors can hold one of your backfield objectives and as you've kind of charged up the board, you can keep growing and I know Simon didn't want to kill some of those pinks because you just keep 
you'd keep growing within combat and have more models around the objective. So uh, it's an interesting conundrum and something to get people need to start thinking about. And do I want to kill? If you're going to kill them, you've got to overkill them. I think that's the, you, know, you can't yep. just kind of split a couple attacks and hope for the best. You've got to really kind of almost like what you do with a death army, and that is put everything into it uh, so there's no chance of regeneration. Yeah, obviously it was Gyrian, so Life Swarm was healing D6 models back, which was um, very in my favour. But you take that away, it's uh, maybe people still run Life Swarm for the D3, but then you've got Fold Reality, but that can be a bit risky. On a one, you lose the whole unit, so how often are Zench players going to take that risk? You know, Only if they absolutely need to. Um, and then the pinks have to die first. So the banners are dying after 10 wounds in a 10 wound unit. Um, and then the resurrection's gone. It's it's really not as scary as as people think. Um, it does, they do fall over very, very easily. Yeah. Probably kind of wrapping this up and this has been a really cool show. I've, I've learned a lot from you and it, it's interesting listening to the mind of a very competitive player and a successful player. You know, you've won Masters in New Zealand. You've won the, the world's largest Asia Sigmar event. You've done well with multiple factions. It's not just you are a one-trick pony with one army. So if I was going to be wanting to be competitive in my next event, if I want to win the event, how does Jimmy build a list or what advice would you give to me uh, in order to better my performance? Or even build a really good list for the next event? Um, I think you, you've got the, the main points covered. You know, you just have to look at what what's out there you know what's what's doing really well what, what are the t1 kind of lists at the moment um but you're looking to t2 too what what kind of crazy stuff do people bring out of the tier two armies um and it's it's just a lot of prep i i, I was putting in a good 10 to 20 hours a week kind of just just talking to players um making sure that i knew every ability uh, there's going to be no surprises. Um, and it's, it's one of those games where the more thought you put into the game, the more you get out of it. You know, there's just lots of small interactions. There's, uh, you know, like um, charging past units, um, using a, a secondary unit to, to increase your, your movement off a unit. Uh, just so many small interactions that, that you can um, learn from in this game. And, I think the more thought you put into it, you definitely get more out of it. And I know retreating is one that people still don't use very often. And, you know, when you're locked into combat, people just try to win it uh, as opposed to trying to use a screen and, you know, potentially run around it or kind of reposition and go for an objective. And I know uh, that's a concern when you look at, uh, what, is it Zench that who locks you into combat? Is it Zench or am I, or am I I'm confusing my rules at this point? Yeah, um, post duplicitous can, can lock in combat. Yeah, so I know that's kind of freaking out some of the KO players who can kind of sky high, retreat out of combat and move. So um, there's some very intricate tactics that people can start thinking about. But um, I know for me, it's always been about stress testing. And um, I went to a tournament recently and I grudged the uh, OBR list that had two catapults and I gave them first turn. I, I chose first turn and I said, I want, you, I want you to hit me as hard as you can with those catapults. I want to see the damage that it does. So when I go up to, to CanCon, should I face a catapult list? I want to know what to expect and how do I handle it back? So um, I'm sure that's one of the many nuggets of gold that you're already doing uh, in your 20 hours a week of list prep, which that's half, that's half of a working job, mate. 
that you're putting into Warhammer. Yeah, it's just, just kind of an obsessive uh, nature of, of me. You know, I can't, I can't not think about something, especially, you know, in the weeks coming up, you're just, just going over it in your head. You're going over your lists in your head and you're thinking, oh, what are the possible, possible situations? Yeah, I faced um, Timmy's OBR and he hit my lot of check my lot of change with eight crawler shots first turn. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I, I spent six um, Destiny dice to avoid six of them because I had amazing Destiny dice pool, and I still took ten wounds. As <laughs> like, yeah. one of the things that, and then I, you know, what well, what strats can I do to get rid of that? I can go first. I can wipe out the Vortec guard and then chase uh, charge in the horrors into the crawlers to um, tie them up in combat. And then they're useless. It's yeah, yeah. No. I know Liam kind of, um, I played against Liam's double catapults and he used a once per turn battle, once per turn shot to delete my Hurricanum, no, no armor save. And I'm like, shit, one, I didn't know that could do that. But two, what do I do now? If a Hurricane is an absolute centerpiece, and I think that's where you learn more from your losses than you are from your victories. It's like, how do I handle that? Where did I go wrong? Uh, what could I do differently? Do I have the tools currently in my disposal or do I need to start thinking about something different? And I saw um, I, th I saw Sean Bates on Twitter today just talking about, you know, potentially the, the Stormcast Endless Spell, the, um, the, the Hammer Cyclone is like, that could actually be really good, you know, in combination of, of handling those catapults, making it a minus one to hit within six and... I chimed in and said, you know, throw the Lord, the Lord Arcanum in there and extend that range by D6. And all of a sudden you start finding new answers to a problem that you weren't previously addressing. So um, it, it goes to my earlier point, you know, I, I don't make lists, I make st strategies. And um, it's a list that, you know, do you have enough strategies to take out everything or do you not? Do you have a particular phase that you, um, that you want to win in? Um, people say that Age of Sigma is a movement game. Is is movement important to you, or is there another phase that is equally important? Um, uh, it's definitely important. Uh, obviously, if you don't have movement, that's a, a weakness in your list. It's something that your opponent can take advantage of. Um, you know, why why would you not just take a bit of movement and and plug up that weakness? Yeah. No. I agree. And I know that's why, at least in Cities of Sigma, everyone was talking about um, Hello Heart, but actually Tempest Die giving you plus three to movement plus all the additional stuff. Uh, I think that's where the secret list tech is right now. And um, or even Living City, where you can start moving around, sideboarding, and you know, then still using your Shadow Warriors. So some super interesting builds. I'm really excited. Who knows what the elves are going to do when they drop in? You only imagine the techless are going to bring the magic into the game. Uh, who knows what the Sons of Behemoth are going to do? Who knows what the Seraphon are going to do? Obviously, Masters of Magic when it comes to the Slans. Um, they could bring a whole different perspective to this game, and uh, we may be playing Magic um, Magic: the Gathering in Age of Sigma. We could be just throwing spells everywhere. Yeah, it's it's the range meter is, is definitely um, looking strong, but I think stuff like uh, Slaves to Darkness have answers to that. So... Um, yeah, looking forward to, to busting out the Slaves of Darkness against some of these ranged magic lists or ranged lists. That's great. That's great. Is there any other advice you'd give me or another uh, another player if I want to be Jimmy? If I want to be uh, if I want to be the master, at least defend you. I need to be able to like raise my fort and and hopefully fight for the honour of Australia when you guys come over. So don't give me any fake news here. 
Um, but no fake news. Uh, what's what's your one advice? I, I didn't play in the um, the, the Trans Tasman Cup this year, so uh, I'm going to come back. What can I do to to at least get a win over you guys? I think uh, the only way to do that is to come over and uh, experience uh, our scene, get some um, New Zealand competitive scene in you, and I, I think it would really uh, help you grow. I think it worked for Hayden, not for Liam this year. Um, he did go over to Notorious GT, but it didn't work this year. But, mate, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on this stream. I know it's a little bit late in your neck of the woods. I do really appreciate it. Is there anyone you want to shout out, anyone you want to, uh, you know, represent the boys in New Zealand or... Um, Oh, yeah, this is too many. Uh, shout out to Timothy Lynn, my boy. Uh, this is the, the Tron Hammer shirt here. Um, Notorious, the, the Shawns, they're amazing. Um, everyone in New Zealand who watched the stream, there's just so much support that came through to me. Um, just absolutely amazing. Uh, Maddie Watkins, Watkinson um, helping me with the, the – we did a lot of list tech with the Zench box dropping so uh, close to the event. Um, I borrowed a bunch of horrors off off uh, certain players because I think my list was 42 models, but I took over 170. Just, that's, just, a, that's a lot of Morris models to borrow, mate. That's not just a couple. No, no, no. I, I had 40-odd blues, so I, I extended that to, to 70, I think, borrowing a few blue horrors. Um, yeah, so Stephen Morris um, and Daniel Fox for, for lending me some some extra horrors. Um, yeah, it was a bloody good time and uh, look forward to it next year. No, you did an absolute great job. Well done. Uh, I've learned a lot. I hope everyone who's listened to this stream either on YouTube, Facebook or on uh, on podcast has picked up a few things. We're listening to the guy who won the world's largest Age of Sigmar event, a man who practices 20 hours a week, thinking about Warhammer, sleeping Warhammer, eating Warhammer. Uh, hopefully you didn't eat too many models or dice. Um I want to give shout-outs to my lovely Patreons who really help this stream keep you alive, doing a lot of cool stuff. Now that CanCon is over, I can hopefully wrap up some of my uh, my outstanding uh, faction focuses. So we've still got to do one for Slaves of Darkness. We're going to have Seraphon coming up. We're going to have KO. We've got uh, Zench. We've got uh, we've got the new uh, Wrath of uh, the Everchosen coming up. So, you know, shout-out to Kenny, to Tyler, to Reflex Dog, to Training. We've got Stavros. We've got Cowspawn. We've got Matt Presley, Dwight. Uh, some new patrons have come on, Michael and Sergi. Uh, there's so many of you guys. You guys are absolutely awesome. I do love and appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for your help. Uh, the Azir, Azir Weekly is an awesome, not only a, a patron, but someone who um, does really great content, so check them out as well. Uh, oh, look at that. We, we, we're showing off our hammers. So, yep. So so these are the, the, the CanCon trophies. <laughs> love it. Love it. Guys, thank you very much. Uh, you are on Twitter, but you're not using it very often. Maybe you can pick up, now that you're a superstar celebrity, uh, winning CanCon, not from being on this show, but now uh, you might, might on, um, do some on, secret list tick with you. I'm on Twitter? <laughs> I don't think I'm, I think you, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure you're on Twitter, but you haven't used it in about two years. But uh, I'm preparing for some tournaments, going over to America in the middle of the year, so maybe we'll secret list tech, and maybe you can help me know the, knowing that... Um, I might be competing against you, or at least not not yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cheers for having me on the show. Thanks very much. Uh, we're going to end the stream. Uh, roll lots of sixes. Good luck, everyone, and uh, thanks for the chat.
See you guys.